What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 14 of the Gino Spirito podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Today is February 1st. I cannot believe that it's already been a month of 2021. I cannot believe it's already been a month of these podcasts. I cannot thank you all enough for tuning in, giving me love, uh, showing the podcast some support. Um, you know, it's it's been fun. I really love sports, as you can tell. I love talking about music. Um, so, you know, if uh, I can do anything to make these podcasts a little more enjoyable for you all, or, you know, you have different recommendations for possible um, topics to talk about, I am more than uh, open to hearing them. I am having so much fun doing these, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, you know, uh, continuing to grow as a podcaster, continuing to uh, get better at this, and just make it more enjoyable for you all at home. Um, but yeah, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. Um, you know, the biggest news over the weekend, um, another quarterback trade right before the Super Bowl, and it just so happens to be the Detroit Lions sending Matthew Stafford to the Rams in exchange for two first-round pits and a third-round pick, and, of course, Jared Goff. You know, some people might have been uh, surprised by this trade who aren't really into football, haven't really, you know, just kind of know the Lions have been, you know, a lower-tier team for a while now. But, I mean, the stat, the, the stats speak for himself. Um, passing grades since 2017, uh, Matthew Stafford is at an 84.7. Jared Goff is at... In 81.6, but in 2020, in a year where Matthew Stafford was dealing with COVID and uh, dealing with going on and off the injury report, he ranked eight. He had an 82 PFF grade, and Jared Goff, who started basically the entire season, only had a PFF grade of 71. Um, You know, Matthew Stafford is also the only. Uh, is only the second quarterback to be traded for multiple first-round picks, um, which uh, he joins Jay Cutler, which I thought was kind of surprising. But I think the NFL and you know draft picks have become more uh, valuable over the years. That I mean, especially with a quarterback uh, free agency, as we're going to be seeing this offseason, um, we're going to see that this list of Matthew Stafford and Jay Cutler, who um, or the only two on the list will definitely be growing, I would say, by at least in the next few years, um, especially as the league becomes more and more like the NBA and uh, more players can uh, work their way out of out of stuff the way we see with Deshaun Watson at the moment, trying to work his way out of that contract if, if everything goes to plan for him and uh, the way he was able to kind of voice his concerns and kind of get out of there I feel like a lot more players who are at the level he's at I mean I'm not saying everybody can just uh, do what Deshaun Watson is doing but Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback top three even um, and he he is definitely a huge asset to a franchise so he's able to do that but um, that's why I think that this uh, stat that Matthew Stafford and Jay Cutler are the only two quarterbacks to be traded for multiple first round pits um, since 2000 uh, I think that'll definitely grow as time goes on, and obviously the big the big thing for the Rams in this trade is that it's the second time they are dealing multiple first round picks as they do not lo- they do n- uh, not have a first round pick until 2024. 
um i know a lot of people were uh you know i don't think they were necessarily scared or frustrated about this i think what you have to realize is the rams already have so much talent on their football team that yes of course are you kidding me everybody wants to have a first round pick everybody wants to get in on the action of all these fresh recruits of course but at the end of the day if your football team is already stacked the way the rams do and then you finally get a quarterback who you think is your guy a guy who is going to be in LA with his best friend now, a guy who's going to finally be playing with a very solid defense, a guy who is going to be under a coach, an offensive-minded coach who, you know, is, you know, next, next level when it comes to offensive play design and drawing up stuff to make the quarterback's job easier. I think Matthew Stafford is the one who won this trade at the end of the day. Um, and... Like I said, the Rams, I don't think they should be too concerned about um, not having a first-round pick for the next, you know, few seasons due to the fact that they're in a win-now situation. It doesn't mean they don't have those other draft picks. doesn't mean that um, they still can't get key guys in the draft. You know, there's so many NFL teams. Um, you see so many NFL teams get these key guys on their roster who weren't first-round pits. I mean, at the end of the day, there's only 32 pits in the first round. There's, you know, six other rounds that happened in the NFL draft, and there's so many other people that can make an impact um, just as much or even more as first of than first-round pits, um, you know, when it comes down to it at the end of the day. So I really don't think the Rams lost much. Of course, they did lose two first-rounders, but... You know, Jared Goff and Sean Midway's relationship was already stagnant. It was already reaching a point that needed to be um, repaired. Uh, some text messages came out about um, Jared Goff wanting to pipe Sean Midway's girlfriend. I think that was, I hope that that was lying. Um, I really doubt that Sean Midway you know, traded him away because he, you know, these alleged text messages. I just thought that was funny that, of course, those leaked the day this man gets traded. But nonetheless, the Rams are a very good football team. They're in a win now, and I don't think that these draft picks really mean much to a team that already has the amount of talent that um, they do on their football roster. Um, but other suitors that um, missed out, I guess you could say, on Matthew Stafford were uh, Carolina, which I thought was kind of interesting, the fact that they gave T Teddy Bridgewater all that money. I know he was a little banged up this year, but... Still thought that was a little surprising that they're on this list. Uh, Denver, not too surprised about that. I'm very happy that this didn't happen as I'd much rather see Drew Locke, even though he did the Millie Rock on us this year after they beat us in that come-from-behind fashion. Um, I would definitely rather see Drew Locke twice a year than Matthew Stafford. Uh, Washington, who is definitely... Um, uh, in the midst for a new quarterback as well so and that wasn't too surprising and the team that I personally thought that Matthew Stafford would um, land I thought this was a top three team would be Indianapolis I mean you see Phil Rivers and the, the instant success that he had in um, Frank Wright's system with an offensive line the way they have the running game moving their defense is playing out an elite level and they're still young they didn't get better so I thought the Colts could have made a good run at Matthew Stafford um, but he ends up being a Ram um, and um, I think 
the thing that surprised me about this trade, I think the Rams were the aggressive one here. I think they were the ones who were, um, you know, trying to make this trade happen as um, before, prior to this trade. They did actually make a run at Aaron Rodgers, um, but the Packers were um, adamant that they were not going to trade him. I thought that was actually... Um, I wouldn't say it was crazy because, as I've mentioned before, Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. He, you know, literally will win the MVP on February 6th at the NFL Honors this year. He looked as good as ever this year in Matt LaFleur's system. Excuse me. And, it, you know, why why risk the chance that this team isn't as good a team that made it to the nfc championship games back-to-back years i understand that it was disappointing finishes but a team that made it to the nfc championship game back-to-back years um why would you possibly want to disrupt this chemistry that um is honestly in the hands of aaron Rodgers? you know you see the stuff the types of plays he can make with his arm let alone his feet his mind the way he approaches the game you know, I, I was very surprised um, when, you know, they drafted a quarterback last year. And I feel like that's been speculation this entire season. And, of course, nothing helped when Aaron Rodgers didn't give a straight answer after the game. Even though, you know, he just got done losing to the NFC, cha- you know, in the NFC Championship game again. Like, let give him a fucking break. You know what I mean? But, you know, sh- you know, shout out to the Packers for being smart with this one. Um, Matt LaFleur comes out and he says that he will be here for a long time regarding Aaron Rodgers and the future with the Packers. So, you know, I thought that was, uh, really good. I, um, if you know me, if you've, if you've talked to me, you know that I was rooting. I mean, actually I've talked about this on podcast. What do I even mean? I was definitely rooting for a Packers and Bills Super Bowl. I was definitely leaning towards the Packers as well. I wanted Aaron Rodgers to win that second range. I feel like a player of his talent and caliber um, definitely deserves more than one ring uh, leaving uh, his career. I feel like he has, he still has some time to prove that. And I would not be surprised if um, he does, but I think this year they were just so good. Their offense was, you know, number one offense in the league, the way that him and Devonte Adams and their connection was, you know, you, nothing's for certain in the NFL. You know, you never know what can happen next year. Injuries, uh, players leaving, relationships aren't the same, new coaches in the in the scheme that makes it better or worse. You never know. There's so many switches that happen in the offseason for any sport, and, you know, you never really realize how um, different year-to-year is until I feel like you're playing, you know. I feel like when I was in high school, my junior year, we – we're so talented on paper. We went 28 and five. We won our league. Um, and we unfortunately lost in the semifinals of our uh, open CIF open division. And my coach after the game was so mad. And I, th- I think he was, when he was explaining himself, he wasn't so mad at, you know, obviously he was mad about the loss and everything. But the one thing he kept saying was, this was our chance. This was our opportunity. And I, at the time kept thinking, you know, like we have one more year, you know, we we're still going to be, we're still going to make a run at this next year, my senior year. And we're still going to try to get this ring. But, you know, I I feel like that team, my senior year was, 
was very good as well. I mean, we were, I think we were 22 and 10, 23 and 10. Um, but like I said, we know we had, we had quite a few guys graduate who were just key components to our team. Those, you know, not start, like there were, I think that year we lost, you know, we had, uh, Cameron Henry, shout out to Cameron Henry. I think, I can't remember if he was coming off the bench or if he was starting, he was like our, our shooting guard. He was knocked down, you know, like if you gave him any space, that man was going to hit a bucket. You had Anthony Anderson, who I know actually was our sits man, or he was coming off the bench, giving us quality time with the point guard position. Antonio Green was um, also another two, three guard who was just giving us really good minutes. All three of those guys graduated. All three of those guys had so much impact on the floor. And then you also had Nit Silt. I, I, I have to talk about Nit Silt. He was one of our bids. We lost him. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like the turnaround was a lot harder than some of us were expecting. And I think that's what teams in the NFL and just in any sport, they have to go through that offseason of changes. And you never know how it's going to be next year. So I think every opportunity in that moment, you have to take advantage of it fully. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that the, the Patriots came to their senses and are um, going to be keeping Aaron Rodgers around. But, yeah, um, I actually, on top of the Matthew Stafford trade, I thought it was interesting that uh, he asked the Lions, as they were on the same page about moving forward, it wasn't any bad blood, kind of the way Deshaun Watson is at the moment. I'll get more into that after this. But uh, Matthew Stafford actually asked the Lions to trade him anywhere but the Patriots. Um, I feel like... I'm not too surprised with this, uh, as Matt Patricia, the head coach, said he butted heads with a lot that didn't um, really work out in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, Matt Patricia came from Bill Belichick's style of coaching, Bill Belichick's Patriot way, quote unquote. But then, you know, you have a lot of people thinking, is the Patriot way Tom Brady? I mean, uh, Damian Amendola actually came out today and said Tom Brady is the Patriot way, and that's the reason why Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl right now, and the Patriots aren't. Um, you know, this Patriot way of a winning culture and, um, you know, putting in the work and not making any excuses and just doing the right thing, doing your job. Um, you know, was that created by Bill Belichick? Was that more Tom Brady? Uh, was everybody's game elevated because Tom Brady's at quarterback? I feel like we we're seeing that with the Buccaneers right now. They had a lot of solid guys going into even last year. I know Jameis Winston was... 30 for 30 or whatever he had. I think it was 30. Yeah, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. And you throw Tom Brady in there and now they're in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So Tom Brady's that difference maker. You know, I feel like going into this season, I like I've talked about before, I was definitely a Tom Brady. Uh, I wouldn't want to say, yeah, I was definitely a Tom Brady hater. Um, wouldn't say, you know, I necessarily thought he sucked at football. I think I would just get frustrated. I um you know, didn't really see the greatness that was in front of me until uh, very recently. Um, and just being able to appreciate that and kind of realize that, you know, as much as I love the Chargers, that doesn't take away from anything that Tom Brady has done in his greatness. You know, you can't deny 10 Super Bowl appearances, possibly a seventh one, a seventh Super Bowl reign. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So, I think um, as time goes on, we're, we're slowly learning that Tom Brady had a lot, lot, lot more control over that locker room than people gave him credit for during this time in the Patriots. And I think that's exactly why he ended up walking. And now we're seeing 
how much success he's having when you know he's doesn't have the pressure on him the way he did in New England and I I think you can only just be happy for the man you know he he's he moved on he proved everybody wrong he proved all of these Patriot fans um that are calling him a traitor and all this stuff uh you know that he's just rubbing it in their faces now I think it's you know I think it's unfair to call him a traitor I think he gave you 20 years at Super Bowls and you guys weren't, you know, you weren't even trying to extend him. You know, you didn't have enough money to in the first place. You know, you, the relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick has always been awkward. And, you know, that dynamic has always needed work. And the fact that Tom Brady found a better home and it looks like he's, he's succeeding regardless of all the speculation towards the beginning of the season with him and Bruce Arians. You know, it, it's been good. It's been good to see that. And I think... Um, my love for Tom Brady is definitely growing. I think the admiration for the player he is, it's, it, he's just, you know, he's a goat. He definitely is. So, um, but as I, as I said, Deshaun Watson, another news in Deshaun Watson, he has actually removed everything to sentence related off of his social media platforms. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, Deshaun Watson is one of a kind. He is the only player in NFL history with 100-plus passing touchdowns and 15-plus rushing touchdowns through his first four seasons. I mean, the man is not even in his prime yet. And the fact that, you know, some people think he can't get away with this or anything like that, I feel as if, you know, you got to just look at the stats. This man is a top-three quarterback, like I said, and there's just no doubt that, there's going to be those 26, 27 teams wanting him. You know, I think the Rams and the Lions are good. I don't know if the Lions are actually good with Jared Goff being their quarterback right now, but maybe they're still going to try to make a run at it, um, get some more draft hits. I don't know. But Deshaun Watson, I think this, the, this Rams trade was huge for him as uh, the Rams were willing to give up two first-round picks and a third-round pick for Matthew Stafford, who's quite a bit older than Deshaun Watson, not, I mean, don't get me wrong, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback, but he's not Deshaun Watson. So I think that allowed the Tetsons to put an even higher price tag on him as they came out today and said they want two first-round pits, two second-round pits, and two young defensive stars. I actually, um, when I saw that, I, you know, I, as much as Deshaun Watson is a generational talent, who in the who in the fuck is gonna give that up? You know what I mean. I I, I know I talked about how two first rounds is not a lot, but you know some of the teams that are surrounding Deshaun Watson. I know the Jets are the front runners. The Jets, you're telling me they're gonna give up two first and two seconds for Deshaun Watson? They don't really have that much talent surrounding him. You know what I mean? I think they they could utilize those two first round, two second round picks. It's gonna hit. I'm not saying they wouldn't do it. I, I'm just saying that it would hit them a lot, a lot harder than it is for the Rams. You know, so I'm really interested to see the team who ends up getting Deshaun Watson and how much they're gonna get back for him. And I I'm also really interested to see if it doesn't really come to anything. You know, I. I hate to say it, I really think Deshaun Watson will not be playing in the Tetsons, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if 
you know, people are scared to pull that plug for some reason. You know, if it's too much in return, if the Tetsons are pushing it way too much. But at the end of the day, you know, Deshaun Watson, I, I just don't think he's going to be stood up for that organization, regardless if they trade him or not. So I think the Tetsons just, I think their best bet is to take the best offer they can get. I know that they're coming out and saying that, but, you know, I think that at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson will no longer be a Tetson. And, um, like I said, this Matthew Stafford trade definitely makes things a lot more interesting moving forward. But, yeah, um, actually, going into some um, baseball news, I haven't had much of that. Uh, you know, of course, it's offseason, spring training's right around the corner. Today, uh, the MLB, the show 21, released their cover athlete, and they also announced that the game will be on Spots for the first time. And, of course, the cover athlete of the next MLB, the show game, is none other than Fernando Tatis Jr. What a day it was for us Padres fans, man. At 22 years old, he is the youngest player ever chosen for the cover. Um, you know, I, I think the reason why it hit so hard was because, you know, for so many years, this Padres franchise and organization has just been at the dirt bottom. And the fact that in the matter of, you know, three, I, I want to say it's, this is going to be probably like the third season where we, we're gaining a lot of momentum going into this season. And the fact that we now have the cover athlete to MLB The Show and we have all eyes on us. Um, we have arguably the best, um, the best offseason in baseball. We have a lot of young talent still with the number one farm system. Um, it's just, I, I just cannot wait for the future. You know, I, I think it was such a bittersweet day today. You know, it's, it's definitely a pinch me moment. Um, you know, the most exciting at the end of the day, the reason why Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the cover is because he's the most exciting player in baseball. And the fact that he is a San Diego Padre is sometimes you got to just think about that. You got to sit back and really just smile at that, man. Like, this man is really a San Diego Padre. He's going to be here, hopefully, his entire his entire career. Um, you know, it's, it's just great. I'm so, so, so happy that we get this man. I'm so happy for him being the cover athlete. It just makes me that much more excited for this year when we're, we're in the spotlight now. We're, we've been there. We, you know, we're still young. Don't get me wrong, but... You know, we've been in the spotlight for a little bit. We understand what the pressure is like of the playoffs and having to play the Dodgers again and still, you know, trying to get over that hump. And I just think there's just so much momentum going into this season. It, it's it's going to be a fun one. And I, I'm definitely really excited for spring training to uh, to uh, come around the corner. It's it's going to be good. But, um, yeah, uh, over the weekend as well, Kid Cudi, the legend, Mr. Rager himself, turned 37. Happy fucking birthday Scott um you know your favorite artist favorite artist is Kid Cudi you know yeah Travis Scott Mac Playboy Cardi unfortunately Denzel Curry Frank Ocean you know Kanye even he inspired Kanye I know he does you know I I think at the end of the day Logic even ASAP Rocky you know at the end of the day, you don't have to love Kid Cudi's music. You don't have to think, you know, his music 
music's the best, but his impact on the generation of artists that has followed and has the generation of artists who we listen to the most, it's undeniable, you know? Kid Cudi allowed not only people like myself to feel as if they aren't alone, feel as if they have somebody there, an older brother that is guiding them through this entire process and making sure everything is okay, you know, they, you know, they're, they're, there's just so many other artists who also have felt that way and are the artists they are today because Kid Cudi told them to be that artist. And I think that's a remarkable feat to have, you know, the fact that Kid Cudi was able to rebound from, um, you know, a lot of a lot of lows, a lot of strain of lows in 2015, 2016. Um, He's able to rebound. Um, you know, he released Kid C Dose in 2018 and that was, that was a great reborn moment you know I don't want to be cliche but it really was and the fact that man on the moon three you know I I have not had one conversation with somebody who's also listened to man on the moon three regardless of how much they love Kid Cudi and they told me that they did not like the album I think Kid Cudi is back in full force with not only music but all of his entertainment um all of his entertainment needs and and you know everything he wants to do it's he's gonna do it i love it i i cannot just explain how happy i am for kid cuddy and you know just seeing the outpour of and love for him and how much everybody else is excited for him for what the future has in store especially these next two years i you know it's great and i think that you know, next year when we talk about uh, how he's gonna be turning, how he turns 38, and it's his birthday, that he's already he's gonna be accomplished. He's going to have accomplished so much more than he has accomplished now, and I I think it's it's gonna be a remarkable year for him, and I am very very excited to be a part of it. But yeah, in, in other music news, Isaiah Rashad was posted at a music video with Top Dog tweeted you know there's still work to put in but the fact that he was he posted a picture he not you know some random uh you know twitter account or somebody that leaked the photo he posted the photo at a music shoot with top dog um the fact that it is almost isaiah rashad time i mean cannot believe he has not dropped since you know the sun's tirade in 2016 um you know i i understand that life happens and the man has gone through hell and back um so i i think at the end of the day you know i if you're disappointed and you're you're not going to listen to an artist because they haven't dropped in a long time then you just don't deserve to listen to their music in the first place um you know you can be frustrated about it and you can want them to drop and everything you know yada 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 but i i don't i don't think people should boycott um an artist like isaiah rashad's music i think he is one of the most talented mcs that has still yet to get his complete props not because he's been pushing and pushing his music and he deserves that i think it's more so that he just hasn't taken it yet i think it is there for his taking i think if he really put in that extra i don't even know i think he if he just released every other year for the past uh, you know four years and this is like 
his fourth project, including Sylvia Demo and the Sun's Tirade. If he had another album in between, this album could be putting him into Nets level stardom, but I feel like this album, with the success that I'm expecting from it, I think he can definitely be put into the Nets level um, of his career. Unfortunately, I don't think he can reach that, you know, that Kendrick or I mean, I don't want to say Kendrick just Kendrick in his own lane. I don't want to say like that a little baby or the baby type level of just like the face of hip hop. Um, I think it'll take another album and consistency from him to reach that. But I think he is getting there. And I think that with this release, um, I have no doubt it's going to hit. I have no doubt that he's going to become back stronger than ever. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, but yeah, in some NBA news, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal finally get it done against the Nets in a crazy dramatic finish as Russell Westbrook finished with 41 and Bradley Beal finished with 37. They're the first Washington Wizards teammates to score 37 plus in a single game since the team moved to Washington in 1974. Um, and if you did not watch this game, you were you simply missed out as you know teams who are trailing by five plus points in the final 10 seconds of the game are nine and twenty three thousand four hundred and ninety eight in the last 25 seasons this was one of the games that it was one of those nine wins i didn't i didn't say that good but it was one of those nine wins for this game as Bradley Beal dribbled the ball up with about 10 seconds left, knocks down a pull-up three at the top of the key as the Nets are inbounding with Joe Harris. I don't know who on the Washington Wizards stole the ball, but he steals it, hits it to Russ for three, and Russell hits a three with about five seconds left to go. So instead of being down five, they take the lead by one. Brooklyn gets the ball under their own basket, and they miss the game-winning layup. Uh, to end reg- to end the game. I mean, they won 149 to 146 in regulation. You know, there was zero defense played in this game. The Wizards, I know their defense has not been their strong suit this year. Um, and this uh, comes, you know, at no surprise that they let up 146 points, but they did score 149. They did score 40 sits in the final quarter, I believe. 48 in the final quarter of this game, you know, so they were able to outscore the this bid three Nets team. Steve Nash saying that the defense just wasn't good enough. I mean, you let 48 points happen in the fourth quarter. This is coming off of, um, you know, a Nets team that has been eight and two in their past 10 games. Um, you know, it's been all smiles lately. Um, in terms of this bid three meshing well together, I feel like this has been a very smooth transition for them. Um, and the fact that they had to lose in that dramatic fashion, I don't think that it will necessarily be, you know, don't necessarily think it'll be uh, a dagger in terms of, you know, all of that chemistry they've been building up over that, you know, eight and two and now eight and three run in the past 11 games. But um, I think it's just interesting to say that the Nets at the moment, since the trade James Harden trade, 
have a 122.6 offensive rating, which is the best in the league. And if that stayed, if this was the last game of the season, it would be the best of all time. But also, since the James Harden trade, they have a 119.9 defensive rating, which is the worst in the league. And if the season ended right now, it would be the worst of all time. I think that speaks measures to where their area of concern is for this, you know, Nets team. Um, I don't necessarily know what they need to be doing differently. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, they have such a great starting unit. You cannot deny a bid three like that. They're, you know what I mean? But, you know, they don't really have much bench presence. I don't um, know. I know James Harden hasn't been known for his defense throughout his career, but I know Kyrie Irving has always played solid defense. And I mean, KD is just so long, so I don't really know where the problem is. I don't know if it's when they come off the court or if it's their rotations and it needs to be a, you know, a little better. Um, but I, I, I just think it's pretty crazy that this team can be the, the worst. I don't know if that's, you know, if there's been a team like that in the NBA let alone the worst ever in NBA history and the best ever in NBA history. I just thought that was pretty pretty crazy. But the Nets, um, I have no doubt they'll figure it out. I have no doubt that they will, you know, 100% be competing for a championship. But what a game by Russell Westbrook, you know? What a game proving all these doubters wrong, proving um, that he is not washed, you know? He's still Russell Westbrook at the end of the day. He's still trying to get his groove um, you know, we heard all the talk. He took it personally, but yeah, what a game that was. Um, you know, in some Lakers news, after some unfortunate losses to the 76ers and the Pistons, they were able to hold on against the Celtics and the Hawks to end their seven-game road trip, um, five and two. Um, of course, the game against the Celtics, uh, what a crazy finish that was um as in the final 10 seconds of regulation there was a turnover the Celtics got um there was a fast break but Alex Crusoe was able to kind of stop it and halt it and then Kemba did his infamous step back but actually missed it at the buzzer so that the Lakers were able to hold on um to that one 96 to 95 and then against the Hawks tonight we were able to just pull ahead um Towards the, towards the end of the game, Trey Young was playing ridiculous, um, and LeBron didn't have his 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 best outing tonight, um, as he entered the fourth quarter with only nine total points, but he was able to finish the game with twenty one seven and nine, you know, still not his best outing, but still finished twenty one seven and nine, close to a triple double, um, you know, this this Lakers team uh, finishes like I said the uh seven game road trip on a high note lebron james uh passes jr smith for um three pointers made an all time he is now at uh, 19 uh, 37 total 1937 1937 um you know i think moving forward for this lakers team we're definitely you know going to be taking big advantage of this five game home uh this home stretch i know that um the players will be happy to be home playing in front of um playing and not playing in front of fans but just playing at the staples center 
not having to worry about the, these all these flights going from city to city. There wasn't any bat-to-bats in this seven-game road trip, which was uh, kind of surprising uh, due to the NBA doing that a little more. But um, you know, I think they'll be they'll be good. I think um, that first game against the Nuggets will be a good be a good rebound game. The Pistons, we can get some revenge there. The Thunder, which be a, that should be an easy dub, uh, bat to bat, and then the Grizzlies. So I, I think we could definitely win five straight here, make it make that a uh, one straight seven. I think we can um, close off this home stretch and on on a high note when we're and then we'll go to Denver after that, but. You know, I'm really looking forward to what the Lakers have to bring. I think uh, the team is getting better and better. You know, we currently sit sit at 16 and sits third in the West, just a half game back from the Clippers at 16 and five. Excuse me, but you know, it, it's it'll be it'll be good. I think that the Lakers um, are still finding their groove, like I said, and um, yeah, I, I think um, the season just has so much more left to offer, so much more left to play. Um, it, it's just too early to tell anything yet, but all I do know is that we are first in defensive rate, defensive efficiency, and that is not a problem that we have to deal with as the Nets do, and I think that is still what separates us and which makes the Clippers that much um, more of a competition at the moment. But I hope you all enjoyed episode 14 of the Gino Spurdo podcast. I know it's a little bit shorter than I normally do, but... Um, Mondays are my long days, uh, for at the moment, and I, I I have quite a few um quite a few homework assignments to get done, and I I um, was really happy that I was able to get some time uh, to do this, regardless of anything else that I'm going through with school. I I really have been enjoying these, like I said, and you know if you want to hear any if you want to hear any uh, discussions or. Uh, specific topics to be talked about during these please let me know Um, I thank you all for tuning in and I will see you all on Wednesday thank you so much